It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Dolphins. Today is Thursday, December 24th. And we are fully committed to a crossover with Locked On Raiders. Had a great conversation with Q from Locked On Raiders discussing this weekend's matchup on Saturday night between the Las Vegas Raiders and the Miami Dolphins. And that is where we are going to spend today's show before tomorrow on Christmas Day, convening to talk about the game plan to beat the Raiders, what it looks like, what the Dolphins must do. Today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi's here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Let's get this thing kicked off. Locked on Raiders, locked on Dolphins, crossover series. It starts right now. Over Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network, it's time to talk Raiders. It's time to talk Dolphins. Big Saturday night prime time game uh, to help me talk about this game and break it down. Got my guy Kyle Krabs, uh, host of Locked On Fins. And uh, Kyle, I'm excited about this game, man. It's uh, it's prime time action, Saturday night football. Very excited about that, the day after Christmas. And the only thing about it is, well, the Dolphins look really, really good, man. What What is it about what Brian Flores has been able to do, uh, even – crossing over and putting Tua Tagovailoa in uh, after the Dolphins were on a three-game win streak. What is it, What kind of buttons has he been able to push while the Dolphins are playing so well right now? Yeah. Uh, it, first of all, it feels weird to, to be playing meaningful late December football games. Uh, so th- <laughs> that that in itself is, uh, I, I think, enough to keep everybody's uh, a fire lit under everybody's butt in South Florida as far as this football team. But Brian Flores just – he really is in tune with his locker room, and he's he's really able to have his messaging reach his players because of the styles of assistant coaches that he's brought in. He dipped into the college well for a couple of assistant coaches this past offseason that raised some eyebrows, but you know they're very hands-on, and Brian Flores is very much a delegator. He trusts his assistants to make sure that each individual position group is ready to have a next-man-up approach, which no greater example of that than when the Miami Dolphins won 22-12 to against the New England Patriots last week without their top, if you go back to the summer depth chart, their top five wide receivers on the summer depth chart were not available for that football game. So uh, just constantly staying flexible and having everybody in a state of mind that next man up, we're ready to play some football. Uh, and then just d- defensively between defensive coordinator Josh Boyer and Brian Flores himself, uh, this defense is head and shoulders above what it was. We are two weeks away from uh, the Dolphins defense being the first team defense since 1978 to go from worst to first in points allowed in, in back-to-back seasons. So uh, the, the investments they made on the defensive side of the ball are really clicking right now for Miami. So you're saying that there's hope. <laughs> it's possible. You're saying it it's is. possible. Nice. It I like it. 
Well, you mentioned that there are some really good investments on the defensive side of the ball that has paid off, and one of the guys is Byron Jones, who came over from the Cowboys. He was a guy the Raiders were very, very mm-hmm. interested in, and, well, obviously they didn't they didn't get him. You know, the Dolphins did, and Xavier Howard, he's been there. The Dolphins drafted him in the second round years ago, and he's just, I mean, he's killing it. But how important has, has the addition of Byron Jones been just to, to bookend what they have in Xavier Howard already? Yeah, I, I, you got a nice three-game sample size at the beginning of the year of what the secondary looked like without Byron Jones when he had a groin injury. The Buffalo game, uh, the Jacksonville game, and the Seattle game. And Seattle and Buffalo just absolutely torched Miami through the air, uh, and, and they picked on whoever was not Xavier Howard in those matchups. Specifically, DK Metcalf got a couple catches on Xavier, but other than that, uh, it, it's that one-two punch on the outside, and the Dolphins— having so much trust to put the guys on the outside on islands and then congest so much of the middle of the field where you think about a team like the Raiders that have Darren Waller and, and his success at the tight end position and how difficult he is to, to guard the dolphins because they have these two corners in Byron Jones and Xavier Howard that they trust to play outside thirds. They can really add a lot of extra traffic to help pick up those deep crossing patterns and have the free safety. That's, able and willing and ready to drive on those throws, that deep dig pattern at 15, 12, 20 yards of depth. So uh, it's really complimentary, all the pieces that they have that have, have put together. And, you know, with those two corners, it has made everybody else in the back seven that much better for this Dolphins defense. You know, and speaking of the back end, the safety positions, how important has it been and how helpful has it been that those safeties are actually X corners? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, there's the coaching staff has rave reviews for Bobby McCain for his communication. And a lot of that comes from his experience playing corner. He's he played outside corner. He played nickel and now he's playing free safety. So he has experience playing every spot throughout the course of the secondary since he came to the Dolphins. And that was uh, over several coaching regimes. But nevertheless, uh, his experiences have allowed him to be the communicator and the quarterback on the back end of the defense. And then Eric Rowe, as a guy who had really good athletic testing and we thought could play outside corner, and uh, he's kind of failed his way inward, so to speak, but really found a a strong home at strong safety. And he's been very successful at covering tight ends. And and that's one of these X-factor matchups that I'm most looking forward to about this game is him versus Darren Waller, because you should expect to see a lot of man-to-man situations and and Miami perhaps bracketing a little bit to get a little bit of help uh, where Eric Rowe is not leveraged, but for sure the man-to-man experience so that when the Dolphins decide, hey, we want to go zero blitz and bring heat, we know we can move these safeties wherever we need to based on what formation we get, and we're going to get good man-to-man matchups. Yeah, man, it should be a good test match between the two teams. You know, on that defensive line for the for the Dolphins, uh, Christian Wilkerson, he's there. We were talking to Hunter Renfro the other day, and he was excited about the matchup, a former Clemson teammate of his. But uh, how much has Wilkerson meant to that defensive line, and, and how good are they at stopping the run? Because as you very well know, the Raiders like to butter their bread by way of the run. Yeah, I think uh, if this matchup would have came about a month ago, the Dolphins would be a lot more concerned about a major red flag than you know what they've shown over the course of the past month where they the Dolphins players said they had some players only meetings to talk about defending the run and everybody being accountable and taking it personally the teams are trying to come out and, and pound the ball down your throat like New England who ran the ball the first time these two teams played for 217 yards and the Denver Broncos in an upset win in Denver when they rushed for nearly 200 yards uh, earlier in in the season in November uh, the Dolphins have really flip the switch really and and what they've been able to do 
is, you know, once they got Christian Wilkins back from the reserve COVID-19 list, he spent two, missed two games uh, as a result of COVID-19. Uh, they're playing a lot of occupying B-gap to B-gap with down linemen. And with rookie defensive tackle Raquan Davis, he's actually the guy I kind of point to as the X factor in the run defense because with Miami playing mint or bare fronts where they got a defender in each B-gap and they got a nose tackle head up on the center, uh, that allows for really good gap control between the tackles. And then they can kind of play everything inside out and force you to get a little bit more east-west than what you want to. And you know, with the teams that had success – uh, with Denver and New England, we're really able to kind of get downhill between the tackles with some some power concepts and lead. And uh, Miami has been better on that front. And getting back Elandon and Roberts and Kyle Van Noy, who both missed the Kansas City Chiefs game, was a big boost. And lo and behold, the Dolphins gave up like 100 less yards to the New England Patriots the second time around than what they did the first time on the ground. Talking right now with Kyle Krabs, host of Locked On Fins, as the Raiders and Dolphins prepare to play this Saturday at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. And uh, now looking at the, the offensive side of the ball, obviously the defense, they're the heavy hitters for the Dolphins, in my opinion. But the offense is, is something I want to question. And, of course, it's headlined by Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, first of all, man, uh, Brian Flores makes a decision to go ahead, even though the Dolphins are on a three-game winning streak, decides to make a, a quarterback change has a bye week to kind of get to a, a ready to rock and roll. And, I mean, I'm not saying he's been lights out, but they haven't really missed the beat. They've been playing some pretty good ball. What has Tua done and what has coaching staff done to make him comfortable? Yeah, they, they've really kind of evolved their offense over the course of the past two months since they made the quarterback change where the beginning of the season, you kind of got a vibe that they wanted to do a lot of RPO type stuff. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, teaching an old dog new tricks, didn't really go over that well as far as him working the mesh point and having accuracy and getting the ball out on time and making smart decisions in those. So they kind of fell back onto the traditional just kind of horizontal spread, quick game timing, passing offense. Well, with Tua, you know, it, it's been gradual and progressive. But what you've seen is a lot more mesh point decision making, a lot more kind of rising up out of handoffs in which the Dolphins are running their inside zone or their duo concepts uh, up front with the offensive line and we're throwing to soft coverage and, and taking advantage of soft spaces in the defense and, and where defense has soft bubbles and green grass to throw the football Tua has the jurisdiction to make those decisions and throw the football. And it's kind of forced teams to you know, kind of slow down a little bit and stop trying to treat the dolphins as though they're playing in this 10 yard box, which so many teams had success against the dolphins early on with playing a single high post safety it was 15 yards off the ball and everybody else was inside of 10 yards. And Miami just could not get anything popping on the ground because they're out gap. There's too many defenders to block up. Well, with the RPO, you have the ability to put defenders in conflict and make that defender wrong. Whether he chooses to fill for the run, you can throw behind him. Or if he sinks to take away the slant, okay, now we're going to give the ball because we have the numbers. So that has really been one of the major evolutions of this Dolphins offense that's been really fun to watch and the other one being tempo you know Chan Gailey was really hesitant to buy into playing fast with a rookie quarterback but once they kind of got to his feet wet with it it was the Cincinnati game when he came back from the thumb injury and then the following week against Kansas City and they scored 17 points in the fourth quarter and then they hit New England with it again they've had success running tempo and it's like once they get that first chunk play on first down okay now let's play with some pace let's get the defense back on their heels and one of, uh, you know, one of uh, Tua's, or at least a favorite position, is kind of similar to Derek Carr, 
thrown to the tight end. Now, the tight ends aren't quite Darren Waller, but at the same time, the tight ends have had a lot of success there in Miami. Uh, uh, Daryl Smythe, that's a guy that I know very well. He's from the Central Texas area uh, and then also went to Notre Dame. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the tight end position? I know some guys are banged up. Is, is Smythe the guy this week that's going to be the, the go? Well, they, the vibe out of Miami was you know, going into the New England game, Wide receiver, I know you're asking about tight ends, but wide receivers, Jakeem Grant, Devontae Parker, and tight end Mike Gusecki were all questionable going into the game, and they found out about 90 minutes before the game that none of them were going to dress. Yeah. And what's come out since is the the impression was from those close to the organization, if that was an elimination game or a playoff game, those guys would have played. Okay. So knowing that Miami is now kind of in this situation where you're really going to have to win your last two games to make the playoffs if you want to make the playoffs – uh, I would expect that Mike Gusecki does play, uh, maybe not in, in his normal snap capacity, in which case the Dolphins, who are embracing some two tight end stuff, Durham Smythe is definitely going to get a lot of run. And this has been a, a good season for him to kind of showcase himself as a complimentary tight end. And, and he's the guy that primarily is doing the blocking when the Dolphins do their split zone stuff. And as a result of that, when they go with their tendency breakers, he has a chance to make some really nice chunk gains in the passing game because people see 81 and they say, okay, they're going to run the football. Well, every now and again, he leaks up the seam or he leaks out into the flat and he's got big, big space to work with because nobody's really keying on him. Just got a couple more questions for you, Kyle, as far as the offense goes. And, uh, you know, with all the guys that you mentioned that missed last week, it gave an opportunity. And really the last few weeks have had opportunities for Lynn Bowden Jr., a guy that the Raiders actually traded to Miami. Uh, the Raiders in Miami, I guess they're good trade partners, man. They traded Lynn Bowden Jr. And then also Rayquan McMillan went back to the Raiders uh, also. So uh, Lynn Bowden Jr., he's a guy that we've been hearing a lot about this week from uh, disgruntled Raider fans who are mad that the Raiders traded him or Miami fans that are laughing that the Raiders traded him. Uh, what are your thoughts on Lynn Bowden Jr., what he's been able to do the last few weeks? I don't know about laughing at the Raiders because if, if you're not comfortable with it, if you don't feel it's the right fit, you know, I, I'm never a fan of clinging on to decision just just for the sake of having pride and making a decision. So I don't want to be too hard on the Raiders front office with that. But I will say this, Lynn Bowden over the, the last two or three weeks since Malcolm Perry got banged up and Jakeem Grant got banged up, he's been put into almost the, the slot slash gadget player role that you would have expected Albert Wilson to fill this year before he opted out uh, during the course of the summer. And you can see the versatility. You can see he's comfortable handling the football. The Dolphins have done some really fun stuff with him uh, as far as misdirection and trick plays and uh, double reverses with a pass put onto it that he decides to just tuck the ball and he's weaving in and out of the defense for 14-yard pickups. And uh, he's blocking, uh, which is such a big deal for Miami because they do so much of spreading the field so that these wide receivers have to be able to block a safety in the alley if the Dolphins are going to pop off any big runs. So he's been impressive and his workload the past two weeks specifically, he's got like 140 yards of offense from scrimmage over the course of the past two games. And, and he's really showing that he can be kind of a chess piece that this team can work with moving forward for sure. Yeah, you know, it was interesting because that's what he was supposed to be with the Raiders. You know, they, they enlisted him as a running back, but he was just going to kind of be an all-around weapon. And for some reason, I don't know what it was, still don't know to this day, it didn't mesh. It didn't mesh the the the, company, the organization, the team, the, the the player. I don't know what it was, but uh, either way, he, he had to, I guess, be on his way. So Miami got him. The Raiders get Raekwon McMillan back. H- haven't seen much from Raekwon McMillan. Uh, I think he might get a start this week, but either way you look at it, uh, I, I'm, I'm happy for him. If he's out there doing his thing, uh, that sounds cool. Sounds like he's doing a lot. And uh, one final question is about Jakeem Grant. I'm a big fan of his. I mean, there's a lot of, I'll tell you, there's a lot of Central Texas and, and Texas, uh, you know, guys on the Miami Dolphins between Jakeem Grant, 
Uh, I talked about Smythe already. Uh, talked about Xavier Howard. I mean, there's guys all up and down the roster that are either from the Central Texas area or have some kind of Texas ties. But Jakeen Grant, man, I've been a big fan of his ever since he was on uh, uh, last, last, not last chance, you uh, undrafted and end up getting drafted by the Dolphins. He's really carved out a nice little niche, man. He's carved out a nice little career for himself uh, as an undersized guy. And he just seems like to me that he continues to get better and better. Never going to be a superstar, but it seems like he just continues to get better and better at the, at the role that he's playing there in Miami. Yeah, it's it's been fun because the Dolphins, as they've kind of evolved their offense to get more of the Alabama-esque concepts that Tua was so used to running, you see them start to run the jet motion and the touch pass. And Jakeem had two of those against the Bengals, and one went for 17 and the other went for 22. So just his speed, obviously his dynamics as a return man, I thought he had a really good chance to be the Pro Bowl candidate for a return specialist for the AFC. It, it ended up going to the Buffalo Bills returner instead. Uh, but Jakeem, it seems like he's got one or two returns a year for touchdowns and uh, really electric with the football in his hands. Now, he's a little bit of a roller coaster. And, and as far <laughs> as him trying, this year was the big year for him to try and prove that he's more than just like the gadget return guy. Yeah. And and there's been ups and downs. You have to have a super accurate quarterback for him to consistently catch the football just because with his stature at 5'6", five, 5'7", five, his catch radius isn't particularly big. And then the other concern with him is, is durability. He's ended the last two years on injured reserve, missing the last six games in each of the last two seasons. Well, he's healthy now, but now he's got a soft tissue thing that kept him out of the New England Patriots game. So there's almost this sense of like, oh, man, here we go again. Can we just please get 16 healthy games of Jakeem Grant to really get a vibe for what he could do in an offense? Because we've seen the flashes. It's there. Like you said, he's super explosive, super fun playmaker with the ball in his hands. But it's just like. There's kind of this glass ceiling over him. But with that said, if he plays, I would expect he'll get a chance to make a couple plays because he has been the guy the Dolphins have turned to to dial up some deep shots. And they just waved Antonio Callaway at the beginning of this week. Yeah. And he always seems to have a big game against the Raiders. I mean, every time, <laughs> every I remember last year he had big. I think it was a flea flicker he caught for a touchdown and he took one to the house. I mean, he just. Yeah, he has a couple big returns every year, and it's against the Raiders. He has a couple big plays as a wide receiver. It's against the Raiders. It happens every single time. So I like him a lot. I root for him, just not this Saturday. <laughs> all right, just tell him, calm it on down if he's going to play this Saturday. Don't do it this week. But uh, that's all I got for you, man. I think it's going to be an exciting game. I'm really uh, fired up about it. Um, you know, for the Dolphins to win it, what, what do they have to have happen for him, at least offensively? I think they need to do a lot of what they were able to do against New England, which is find some chunk runs uh, in the ground game. They, they have really struggled with consistency. Entering the Patriots game, they're averaging 3.6 yards per carry on the ground. And then they come out against the Patriots and they rush 42 times for 250 yards. And it was kind of this big aha moment. They, they have Robert Hunt, who's now installed and has been playing the last two months at right tackle. And he's been able to generate some movement up front. Uh, so for the Dolphins, Continuing to run the football is going to be a priority, and, and I know that's something that Dolphins fans want to see Tua Tungavaloa cook. They want to see Tua throw for 400 yards, but that's not the formula for this Dolphins team to play winning football right now because they are so well-rounded and complementary on all three phases. So I would expect them to look to continue the momentum that they established last week, and then once they kind of get the Raiders back on their heels a little bit, then they're going to go with the quick game, and they're going to go with tempo. Built Bar is a pro team bar that tastes like a candy bar. So whether you're looking for a healthy snack, a breakfast on the go, something post-workout, or just like delicious things, Built Bar can fill the void for you. And best of all, 
Built Bar doesn't just taste good, it blows the nutritional facts of your typical protein bar out of the water. It's got 200 calories per bar or less, up to 20 grams of protein per bar, 18 delicious flavors to choose from, and one-seventh the grams of carbs and sugar of your typical protein bar. So if you're looking for a change-up in your diet, Visit BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and you can save 20% off your next order of BuiltBar. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, to save 20% and find out what all the fuss is about for yourself. The NFL regular season is coming to a close, and the playoff picture is becoming clearer than ever. There is only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust to get in on the betting action, BetOnline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. We are continuing this Locked On crossover series between Locked On Raiders and Locked On Dolphins. Kyle Krabs and your boy Q here talking Raiders and Dolphins for this primetime Saturday night matchup. And Q, uh, first thing I want to talk to you about and, and kind of get your impression, uh, the Raiders looked like they were going to be that team that was going to keep this AFC wild card race really crowded through the first 9-10 games of the season. They had a chance to defeat the Kansas City Chiefs and sweep the Kansas City Chiefs, which would have moved them to 7-3 and three on the season. Patrick Mahomes pulls a rabbit out of his hat at the end of the game. And since it's it's been a 1-3 and three stretch for the Raiders, so my question for you is what what's changed for the Raiders over the course of the past month or so, and why have we seen the Raiders be a team that look like a legitimate playoff threat to now being a team that's, that's on the outs and on the fringe and will not be a dynamic uh, to watch in the AFC playoffs this year? You know, Kyle, that's a great question. That's a million-dollar question, and I think there's a lot of people still searching for that answer because you're right, man. They got all fired up. I was at that game in Vegas uh, for that uh, that Sunday night against the Chiefs, and they looked like they had everything cooking now. They made a couple mistakes, and, of course, the defense, uh, you know, let them down at the end, but uh, they looked like a team that, like you said, was going to be a legit contender. They were going to go and, and, and really, uh, you know, make a run at this uh, wild card thing and, and be a problem in the playoffs, and ever since then, they just kind of, uh, reverted back to their old selves of 2019 where they just they, they almost can't get out of their own way you know they barely beat the the Jets they got they got motorboat by the, uh, the the Falcons they just blew them out the water and it's just it seemed like that was their big Super Bowl game and after they lost that game it's almost like the wind came out of their sails and they haven't been able to get right since and, and I don't understand what that's from you know I mean really really good teams they don't allow a loss to beat them twice and it feels like the Raiders allowed that loss to beat them like two or three times so far since that game and that's that's unfortunate. A lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, the coaching staff uh, coaching up a young team and, and not feeling as comfortable as they should with them. It also has to do with the fact that the defense is not very good. That's why Paul Gunther got fired uh, not too long ago. He got fired after the uh, after the Charger game. And it's just it, it's was it the Charger game. Either way, it was one of those games. I can't remember. At the, no, it wasn't. That was Rob Marinelli's first game. It was after the uh, what was it? oh the Colts game. I'm sorry. He got fired right after the Colts game. And then on a short week, Rob Marinelli took over and they lost to the Chargers. But it just it just hasn't. It just hasn't clicked, you know, and, and honestly, the Raiders were supposed to be what the Dolphins are, that team that, you know, rebuild everything, you know, brought in a new coach, even though Gruden's not new, but he was new at the time in 2018, had a lot of draft picks, had a lot of money, and they were going to build this thing up the right way, made some trades with some tough players uh, to, to see go, like, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, Khalil Mack and, and Amari Cooper and, you know, collected some extra draft picks. You thought, okay, go ahead and build the team up like you wanted to. Well, the Dolphins were able to succeed and do that, and they're in that place now, that position, so they're, they're knocking on the door of the playoffs, and the Raiders are on the outside looking in. And so uh, somewhere along the line, the, there's a disconnect, and, and they got to find a way to at least try to finish the season off strong and hope they can do it. Uh, and get into the playoffs in 2021. But this has been, uh, honestly, in my opinion, a disappointment for the way that they're closing out this 2020 season. Well, Q, you mentioned beating themselves being something that, that was has been a theme for the Raiders over the course of the past month or so. And uh, the Dolphins' defense, obviously, very opportunistic. They have a turnover forced in 19 or 20 consecutive games at this point. And kind of looking at this one-and-four stretch for the Raiders, uh, they have 12 turnovers in their last five games Who's been the catalyst of that? Has that been like silly mistakes by skilled players with the football? Has that been declined or more reckless play at the quarterback position? Obviously, you know, it seems like Derek Carr is going to trend towards playing in this game, but Marcus Mariota looked pretty solid in his performance against the Chargers this past weekend. So just kind of curious as far as the dynamics of where those mistakes are being made in trying to project where the Dolphins' point of emphasis may be in trying to create turnovers this week. Well, you know, I think it's all the above. Uh, some of it was, you know, reckless play from the quarterback. And, and what I mean by that, I don't mean just throwing interceptions. Uh, in that Falcons game, Derek Carr fumbled the ball like three times in the pocket. And uh, those were on strip sacks, you know, just getting hit in the pocket. And, uh, you know, the, the defenders are just causing turnovers. And that's the one thing Derek Carr does not do really well. He's, he's improved in a lot of areas in 2020. One thing that he struggled with is, is ball security, holding on to the ball. He doesn't necessarily throw a bunch of interceptions, but he'll drop the ball. He'll put it on the ground when the pocket gets real muddy and gets real pressured. And, and that's what happened in that, uh, that Falcons game. Other times, a ball will bounce off a guy's hands, you know, square in the hands, and then boom, he'll go for a pick six. You know, so, something will happen. There's always something, like, inevitable is going to happen. Uh, there's a, a good throw, and then all of a sudden a, a tip or a drop or a batted ball goes up in the air and it gets intercepted. It's just one thing or the other. Uh, running backs, I know Josh Jacobs put the ball on the ground once. Hunter Renfro's put the ball on the ground once. Uh, just fumbles by guys who are normally really, really secure with the ball. It just seems like a lack of concentration. That, In my opinion, whenever there's turnover, especially fumbles, it's just a lack of being locked in on what you're supposed to be doing. It's like having that moment where you just kind of – don't, uh, you know, don't focus in on what you're supposed to be doing. You're, you're, you're thinking about the next move before the first move. And, and I, I don't, I don't know really why they've had so many turnovers, but they have. And that's been, that's been a big deal problem, man. And, and it's, it's slowing this team down from going where they need to go. You know, even in that game on Thursday against the Chargers, when Marcus Mariota came in, he did some really good things. He gets down into, you know, the red zone around the 20 and he throws the ball slightly behind Zay Jones. It bounces off his hands and boom, goes into, you know, the defender's hands. And so, you know, stupid, silly things like that. You know, you just got to be a little bit more precise. And right now uh, they're just not like I said, they're just not clicking on all cylinders offensively, defensively. And uh, and these turnovers are really kind of shooting them, shooting themselves in the foot. One thing the Raiders don't have a problem with is moving the football. You know, they, right. they, they have a lot of yards. They're yep. second in the league in third down conversions. Uh, so is that a byproduct of kind of the DNA of this team and, and liking to, to pound the football with Josh Jacobs? Uh, oh, good. Dolphins are at bend, but don't break. You know, they, they give up a fair amount of yards. They're middle of the pack in yardage conceded, but they're first in scoring defense. They're in the, among the top teams in turnovers forced. And they're the, the NFL's number one third down defense. So you have strength on strength on third down here. Yeah. What is the Raiders formula to staying so consistent on converting third downs a season? Uh, it's they're 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 ahead of the chains. You know what I mean? Like a, a yeah. lot of times, that's that's what it's all about. A John Gruden's offense, you have to stay in front of the chains. They're, they're not a team that's going to convert a bunch of third and nines, third and eights. They want to re around third and four, uh, th and three at third and four. 
third and five. You know, that's where they want to that's where they want to be. Uh, they want to get some good production on first down by the run game. They want to uh, be able to pick up a couple yards here and there and just, again, stay in front of the chains, man. These these penalties that they get sometimes, these uh, personal fouls or, or, or holdings, and all of a sudden it's like second and 20, that, that just about kills the drive, you know. And it's funny, I laugh and say that, if the if the NFL ever moved the end zones to where the twenties are, the Raiders would be money because they're great between the twenties. You know what I mean? Like you mentioned, their yards yeah. are great. Between the twenty, they're awesome. But once they get in down to the red zone, man, they have a they have a problem, and that was a problem last year. It's something that the Raiders have focused in on and said that that was uh, something that they had to improve on in 2020. And early on, they really did improve in the red zone offense. And then lately, it just hasn't been there. You know, it hasn't been clicking like it should. And, uh, you know, they had an opportunity to win the game in overtime on Thursday against the Chargers. And there was like three plays inside the five-yard line that were called that I don't agree with any of them. And they end up settling for a field goal. Well, the Chargers go the other way and get a touchdown game over. So, I mean, you're that close to scoring a touchdown. You know your defense stinks. And you still can't find a way to get into the end zone just to close the game out when you had an opportunity. So uh, the Raiders struggle in the red zone these days. Uh, again, not too sure why. They have weapons like like uh, Nelson Aguilar. He's been nice this year. Uh, Darren Waller, obviously. Hunter Renfro, he's third in Renfro. He can pretty much score from anywhere. He's a, he's a, he's a heck of a player. Uh, you know, they have Henry Ruggs. Uh, he's probably not going to play this week because he's on the COVID-19 list. But, I mean, they have different weapons, you know, and they should be more successful in the red zone. And for some reason, Don, John Gruden just is not dialing up the right play or the right call to get them in the, in, in, into pay dirt. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, Q, one of the things we talked about when we looked at the Dolphins in this matchup was the defensive investments that they've made. And the Raiders, you know, they it's not like they didn't spend some money or, or make some moves to bring defensive players in here, bringing in... Uh, Corey Littleton is a big money free agent signing at the linebacker position. And Nick Kwiatkowski is an addition from the Chicago Bears trading for uh, Raekwon McMillan from the Dolphins at the beginning of the season. Uh, that second level of the defense is an area where the Dolphins, when they have success offensively, it's because they are able to find some mismatches to exploit there, not just, especially with Tua Tungvaloa, not just picking on Devontae Parker in a one-on-one -on -one situation, like to work the middle of the field. Uh, yeah. If the Dolphins have to be dialed in on one player who could have a big game, I know they haven't necessarily performed to the money that the Raiders have paid out for this season, but if one guy you feel like is capable of having a big game against the Dolphins, who would it be? Man, uh, wow, that's a, that's a great question. You know, especially with the, the linebacking core, I would say it would be Nick Wikowski, but today he went on the COVID-19 list. So, oh, wow. uh, he, yeah, so he's not going to play. He's been really the good linebacker as far as a free agent pickup. Corey Littleton was supposed to be like the tight end eraser. He was supposed to be the guy that, that went in there and, and really stopped the other teams from having good success with the tight end. But he looks he looks lost. You know, he looks like a he looks lost like a ball in high weeds, man. He just hasn't been he hasn't been that guy. And for some reason, he's just he's not playing quickly. 
Uh, I think a lot of it had to do with Paul Gunther's scheme. It just was way too, um, too, it was just too thick of a playbook. Like they just had way too much going on instead of just kind of narrowing it down and simplifying things. It was way too complex. So I think that was part of his issues. I know Gunther's not there anymore, but how much could Rod Marinelli change in a week and a half? So uh, it's going to be interesting, man. If they, if they use the tight ends a lot, which I know they do, and if they really, you know, go to work in the middle of the field, which I know they do, uh, it could be a big day for them. You know, I, I would say a guy like um, LaMarcus Joyner is going to be used in the slot. He's really a, a safety, but the Raiders, for some reason, think he's a slot corner. So he's always in the slot, and he's not that good at that. You know, that that's a that's a, not a, a area of strength for him. So uh, I think the middle of the field, to be 100% honest with you, is going to be wide open for the Dolphins. And that's, that's a scary thing. As soon as you said that that's how they, you know, they really butter their bread. I just kind of, Oh no. You know what I mean? Just kind of thought about it could be a (laughs) long day for that Raiders defense. Well, we will not have to wait too long to find out. That's the good (laughs) news. We we have a Saturday night primetime game, uh, national TV, no matter where you are, you'll have a chance to tune into this one. Uh, Locked on Raiders, locked on Dolphins. We hope you guys enjoyed the game this weekend. Thanks for listening. Make sure to check out all of the Locked On Podcast Network for all of your favorite teams, your team, every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 